welcome to episode number 37 of the Random Thoughts Podcast. That's R-A-N-D-U-M-B Thoughts.com. I'm your host, Darren O'Neill. On today's show, we're going to be talking about all things premium. It's a word that's been popping up a lot, and it's something that was really relevant to me in the past week or so because I've been looking for a new turntable. And if you're an audiophile at all, you know that turntables can drive you nuts and there's everything from turntables that'll cost you under a hundred bucks to ones that'll cost you more than a car i almost nixed this whole episode though feeling like maybe i was copying right on the same track because it seems like my buddy larry over at that LarryShow.com and i are on a similar wavelength once again this week he just did a great episode including an excellent story about an old ford that he had that had a problem that it would just randomly stop and that as anybody that's ever driven knows that's a little bit of an issue when you're tooling down an expressway or turning in front of traffic that the car just dies there's really no worse feeling at all behind the wheel except you know getting slammed by a semi but his story talks about going to all the usual places the really nice gas stations the service stations with the guys in the nice overalls going to the dealer and uh, trying to get a problem fixed And those were all the premium places he was going, and he found the answer in an unexpected place. So definitely go check out Larry's latest show and all of his shows. They are actually one of the best podcasts out there, thatlarryshow.com. So that's what we're going to be talking about today, premium, as opposed to, well, what's the opposite of premium? It's not good, right? It's generic. It's value. The word premium is something that we just kind of have stuck in our brain as being something good. Unfortunately, that's not always the case. And sometimes the cheaper stuff, the generic stuff, the value stuff is every bit as good, if not even better. We have a whole thing going on on the internet right now where people are paying a lot of different things for premium content. And you ask yourself, how did we get here? We're being sold things that are available free. I think a lot of people still miss out now on the fact that television is still offered for free on the airwaves, at least for the major networks, ABC, NBC, CBS, and your local PBS. You can get an antenna in most places, throw it up on your roof, or if you're in a close enough to the city, you can just put an antenna on top of your TV like the good old days and pull in these channels for free, but we're willing to pay a premium for cable TV, satellite TV, because of the convenience it offers. And of course, I mean, they're offering some extra channels. I remember a time before there was cable TV, but hey, that's just because I'm old. So I started thinking about the things where I opt for the premium choice and then the other things where I opt for whatever's non-premium, I guess. And most of these things can be debated A lot of it is going to be personal preference. The only thing on the list that I think isn't falling into that category is gasoline. And I do believe there's a lot of people that get to the pump and they have no idea what the difference between premium and regular unleaded is and go, hey, I want the best for my car. I'm putting premium in. This is the one place you may be making a really big mistake. Unless you're driving around, as I did for a while, in a Camaro, or if you're driving a Corvette or Ferrari, if you're driving a sports car that requires the higher octane gas, 
Those you have to put premium in or you can have engine problems. If you're driving a normal SUV car out there, you 99.9% chance don't need premium gasoline and paying the extra for premium is doing absolutely nothing to improve your engine, to improve your performance, to extend the life of your engine. Zero. It's really all about the amount of octane that's in the gas. So this is one place you want to avoid the premium unless your user's manual specifically says to put the premium in. Very simple. Check your user's manual. If it doesn't say premium, you're just wasting money if you're opting for the premium at the pump. But there's a lot of things we use on a daily basis. And some of these things can vary greatly in price between the premium and the, the non-premium choice. Something like wine, for instance. I'm not a big wine guy. My wife, my mom, they really enjoy wine. For me, I can't really tell the difference much. I mean, I can tell the difference if you put a glass next to another glass and one of them was like a $10 bottle and one was a $100 bottle. I mean, I can go, hey, the 100 tastes a little bit better, but it's kind of wasted on my palate. You know, whiskey, I'm a little bit more in tune to, although I still really enjoy the, you know, $25 bottle of Irish whiskey, even though the $150 bottles, they're great, but I don't know if there's enough of a swing that would keep me using them on a daily basis. It's more of a something for a special occasion, that kind of a thing. Wine, at least from what I've been told, there's a much bigger differential and you really start stepping up that level. Or you can buy the $5 bottle of wine. You can buy the $10 bottle of wine. If you believe Mr. Wonderful from Shark Tank, and he's in the wine game, so I do believe his numbers are correct, 90-some-odd percent of the people that buy wine in the United States will never spend more than $12 on a bottle of wine. So we're a very cheap wine-buying public in the United States. Now, the people that have the money can go absolutely crazy with this stuff. There was an article the other day on a restaurant in the UK where the server accidentally gave a diner the wrong bottle of wine. And it was something absolutely insane from the fact that the bottle of wine the guy ordered cost about $300. The wine that he was served cost about 6000 So, I mean, he got a really good deal. I don't even know if he knew. I mean, the article wasn't quite clear. I think it was maybe figured out afterwards. And you really have to start questioning how much of a difference can you tell? How far up the ladder do you have to go before you start going, you know, you know, at a hundred bucks, wine's really good. And I can tell the difference between that and a $10 bottle. But the difference between a hundred dollar bottle of wine and a thousand dollar bottle of wine, I think is a lot less than between the 10 and a hundred. And you start getting exponentially closer as you move up that scale. But that's not to say people won't pay to have something rare. That's not to say people aren't just paying for the fact that they believe it's a premium product. There's a lot of things I think we've been sold over the years in the guise of being a premium product. And there's a psychology behind all of this stuff that I think we've been lied to. Marketers lie to us. Who knew that could happen, right? And I'd fallen into that. I mean, I think we all do at one point or another to where, hey, I want Coca-Cola or Pepsi or my favorite RC, even though it's a bit of a smaller brand over, you know, the Walmart Cola or every pretty much uh, grocery chain has their own version of a generic cola and all the different flavors that they have. 
But for some reason, they're kind of looked down upon, even though there's only a small amount of companies that make this stuff in the first place. And I'd fallen into that for a long time. You figure, hey, you know what? Pringles, they've got to be better or Jay's potato chips or whatever it is. I'm coming around, though, due to uh, this magical store called Aldi. Honestly, I didn't know a whole lot about Aldi until recently, and I saw an article that really won me over more than anything else, which said that the house brand with all of their snack foods and stuff like that, which is Clancy's, I believe, across most everything that they have, that's their store brand, has no MSG in any of their products. Now, for somebody that gets migraines, if I have even a little bit of MSG from time to time, it's something that I have to avoid. And almost every flavored chip, any flavored Doritos, anything like that is going to have MSG in it. If you have an MSG problem where you get migraines and you have to start reading packages, it's amazing. It's not just Chinese food, let me tell you, because I know they have a really get a bad rap, and a lot of Chinese restaurants do absolutely suck when it comes to the MSG. And I always look around, I watch Yelp, because I like Chinese food, but finding Chinese food without MSG is very hard to do. And there's some of these restaurants will make exceptions for you. A lot of them, though, when you contact them and say, hey, do you, could you do non-MSG? They're like, well, on some things, but other things that's already, you know, in our whatever they're buying. So it's like, okay, I can't go to any of your places because nobody can do completely MSG free. So hearing that Aldi's house brand was MSG free, that excited me. Not that you need to eat a lot of chips and that kind of thing because they're not healthy for you in the first place, but every now and then, you know, a few chips with lunch, something like that, I enjoy. And not being able to buy any of the flavored chips, you know, it gets kind of boring. You buy the plain basic baked chips, which although Clancy's, Aldi again, when I was on the pretty much low, as low fat as possible diet that you could be on when I had my gallbladder issue, the Clancy's baked potato chips are absolutely awesome. They really taste very much like the normal Pringles when they're baked instead of fried. But this isn't a whole big commercial on Aldi. But they really did win me over onto brands that you would consider non-premium because they taste just as good, if not better. In a lot of cases, again, the baked chips are the best I've ever had. The other day when we were in Aldi, they had chips in cans which looked like Pringles containers. And I haven't been able to buy a flavored Pringles in forever because they have MSG in them. Go to your local store. Pick up a can of Pringles. If it's not just the regular unflavored Pringle, it'll have MSG in it. They had the Clancy's brand in the same Pringles kind of tin. So I'm guessing it may be the Pringles you know, company that are making this, the same people that make those. They had a couple different flavors of chips, and I double-checked, even though they always say none. I always want to read the ingredients anyway. And there was no MSG, so I bought some sour cream uh, and onion, I believe they were, chips absolutely awesome so that's a winner there on the non-premium brand having a better flavor having less those bad preservatives and flavor additives of the msg so it's really it's starting to turn me around when it comes to that kind of stuff to where the name brand isn't necessarily always the best the premium brand isn't necessarily always the best you have to know what you're buying 
And you have to be able to compare things. Because one of the things we also bought at Aldi was lunch meat. When I'm like, you know what? This looks exactly like the lunch meat container that we'd been buying at the other grocery store that we go to from one of those big brands that everybody knows. So I purchased this, took it home. We had one of the old ones still from uh, the other big name brand. And I read the ingredients list, compared them exactly the same. Went down all the nutritional things, you know, the calories and the vitamins and all this stuff in there, exactly the same. So, I mean, I can't completely prove it, but it would seem that, again, the house brand at Aldi was exactly the same as the name brand at the other place and quite a bit cheaper. So, I'm definitely won over on that front. Groceries, the generic, the non premium could be every bit as good. You just have to be a savvy shopper and try some things. Maybe you're going to hit a dog every now and then, uh, but I think more times than not, you're going to have a product that you're happy with. Because if there's another thing that I've learned fairly recently is that buying premium doesn't always get you a good product. It doesn't always get you the product that performs the way that you feel it should. And then that's a real crying shame because you've spent more money because you thought you were getting a better than average product and what you got isn't good at all, which is a case of a Dell laptop that I bought at the end of last year in XPS 15. You know, this is their premier laptop line. And all I do is audio production. Well, not all I do, but where I'm pushing this to a little bit of a limit would be audio production. And you would think that would be pretty easy by this time and date. Here we are in 2019. You wouldn't think that that would be something that would be hard for a laptop to handle, which is audio, not just recording audio, but Dell has been having problems with this laptop, the 9570. Since it came out, they've released patches, they've released drivers, they've released a new BIOS. The end result is still that the thing suffers from high latency. And when you suffer from high latency, that can cause pops and clicks and distortions in the audio. And that's not good. And that's not just for people like me that are recording audio, people that are just trying to, you know, watch YouTube videos and watch their favorite movies and stream whatever they want to stream on Netflix. Well, they're running into audio problems as well. And Dell is having a bitch of a time trying to figure out how to fix this and dealing with their support is not very helpful because you can go like I did and run one of these programs that will show you the latency that these drivers are kicking back. It'll show you exactly which drivers are doing it. It'll show you how much latency each one is giving you, but Dell doesn't care about that. They don't think those programs know what they're doing. And they're like, well, can you send us a video? Like send you a video of me recording audio and having it popping i'm not really sure how i can send you a video of that but you know such is dealing with dell support and i think the easiest thing probably to do is dump the laptop and never buy another dell because i don't really consider this great customer service when you're telling them you're having a problem with your audio having a problem with pops and clicks and distortions when you're trying to record the audio and them giving you the answer of Hey, could you send us a video of the problem? I mean, do a search right now if you really want to on your favorite search engine for Dell 9570 latency, and you're going to get a lot of results. So they know it's a problem. 
And even though they know it's a problem, they want to treat every customer like they're a schmuck and go through this whole list of things like, hey, we could check this, this, and this. It's like, no, everybody that can read knows you have a problem with these laptops. We know you have a problem with the latency. Fix it or offer an exchange for a computer that doesn't have that problem. So this was a case where shelling out the cash for the premium product didn't do me any bit of good because I think I paid about 12, 1300 bucks for this laptop. I could have probably picked up a laptop with a lot less horsepower for about five or 600 bucks that would have handled the audio just fine. So ironic, but it's also teaching me a lesson, which is don't overspend, buy the thing that'll do what you want it to do. And not really, I understand you worry a little bit about being forward compatible that you want the thing to still be viable in a couple of years. But at the right price point, I could be a guy that could swap laptops every couple of years. I've always been in the other camp, which was get the most top of the line thing you can when it came to computer gear and ride it for as long as you could, because changing this stuff is always such a pain in the ass that I would rather spend a little more on a desktop or laptop today and know it'll last me five years rather than spending less and knowing I'm going to have to swap it out every two years. Although even when you buy premium, and I bought a MacBook Pro back in 2008, 2009, which still works absolutely fine, but Apple has stopped updating the software on it. So everybody that's an Apple fanboy can bitch as much as they want about how shitty Windows is, and Windows does have issues. I mean, there's, there's no shortage of them lately either, but this premium Apple laptop from 10 years ago can't be updated to the latest Apple operating system where I've got a laptop that is about five years older than that, that, I mean, it would bring the thing down to a crawl, but it would load Windows 10. So, you know, I'm not really sure that I can give Apple really high marks when it comes to this stuff either, because, you know, I don't understand cutting off operating system support for your hardware, but Hey, you know what? That's just me. So I'm hoping Dell can fix this problem. If not, anybody that has good laptop recommendations for recording podcast, feel free to uh, shoot them over to me somewhere. But where this premium concept has been coming into my life in the past week or so has been with looking for a new turntable. I've always been an audio guy. I've always liked having record albums playing the LPs. I love digital too because digital has its place. Digital allows me to put tens of thousands of hours of music on a little device and access it all around the house on multiple speakers at the same time. And it's a beautiful convenience. But there's something that is really still cool about having that vinyl record and putting it on and putting the needle down and understanding the mechanics of how this whole thing works, how they figured out how to take high fidelity sound and stamp it into a vinyl disc. It's really an amazing technology when you think about it, especially with how long it's been around. And I had a turntable for a few years that was about a $250 Audio-Technica with the USB and all this stuff turntable, which was a, it was a nice turntable. But after buying it, the one thing I read was to get the most out of the turntable, they recommended that you open it up snip out the little thing that converted everything to USB 
and resolder the wires and just bypass that whole USB board because no matter what, even if you were bypassing their preamp in the unit, it was always going through the preamp. So it was kind of muffling it a little bit. It wasn't letting the turntable shine was basically what it came down to. My dad wanted a little bit of a better turntable than he had. So I gave him mine. And now I'm sitting without a turntable and going through too many websites, reading too much stuff about turntables and figuring out very quick. The turntables are a lot like wine. You have cheap turntables, which are between 50 and 100 bucks on that really would be what I would consider probably the five to 10 bottle, $10 bottle of wine. There are some of these turntables I would worry about even putting my records on because I really think they would eat them and destroy them. And then you have the decent range, which is the one that I just gave to my dad about 250 bucks, does a really nice job, has really nice fidelity. For people who aren't completely nuts, that's probably more than good enough. If you don't have a nice set of speakers, if you don't have a good amplifier, for most people, I would say that is a pretty good turntable to have. I wanted a little bit of a step up, and what I'm finding is, is that that little bit of a step up can be anything from a four to $500 turntable. And then you start looking at the high end of turntables. And this is also fun, even for somebody who would never consider buying one because of the absolute insanity of it all. But the premium turntables can cost you 20, 30, 40, and up, thousand. So, I mean, you could either buy a car or you could buy a turntable. I mean, this is a device that does pretty much just a couple of very mechanical things. They turn a platter at a specific speed or two or three, depending on what you're getting. 33 and a third, 45, maybe 78. And then you have a little arm that you have a cartridge with a needle on it, and you put that down on it, and that reads the information and moves that through the turntable into your amplifier. It's a fairly simple concept but one where you can go absolutely insane as you start climbing that premium quality ladder. When you start reading reviews on a lot of these turntables that are between at the $500 range, I kind of get it, but I was reading reviews on turntables that were like 1500 to $2,000. And I never really thought about spending that on a turntable, but I said, you know what? Hey, I just spent 1300 bucks on a piece of shit Dell laptop. And I knew that was only going to last a few years. A good turntable should last me the rest of my life. So I start thinking a little bit differently. Okay. Maybe I splurge a little bit more and put a little bit more into a premium turntable. And the funny thing is even in the range There was a turntable at like $1,500 and you read the reviews from people and they're like, Hey, it's a great turntable, but you know, the cartridge they include is shit. Get one of these instead. And of course the new cartridge is, you know, three, four 500 bucks. So you can definitely go down a rabbit hole. And I started asking myself then the question of, well, will I hear the difference? I think I have really good hearing, really bad eyesight, but I've always had pretty good hearing. I think I still have pretty good range as far as you know not having a problem not hearing things that are quiet i think i still do pretty well there and i think i have a fairly a much wider range than an average guy at my age as far as the frequencies that i can hear so i've been blessed with a little bit of better hearing 
And it's hard to know where to go with one of these turntables because it's, it's like the $12 bottle of wine compared to the $100 bottle of wine compared to the 300 You know, if I buy a $2,000 turntable, is it just slightly better than the 500 You know, it's really, I guess it comes down to you need to find a place that still sells these in person, which is nearly impossible to do, and go in and, and listen to them. Because this is definitely a case with the turntables where premium are going to cost you just a little bit more than the average one that they send you out, you know, for that $250 one. That $250 turntable was really easy. I bought it at Amazon, had it next day. It came in a box that was the size of what you would assume. It's a turntable. It didn't really weigh a whole lot, but it weighed more than a lot of these really cheap turntables that maybe weigh like five pounds. But some of these turntables now come in crates because they weigh hundreds of pounds. I mean, it's absolutely insane the technology that they're using for some of these things. And I'm sure they produce a really good sound. I just don't know how good of a sound I really want, I guess. How much do I want to spend to have that pretty little thing? And maybe that's really what it is. It's that, you know, it looks good too. And you could say, hey, I have the Corvette of turntables. And that's a reason I think that a lot of people buy premium, especially for things people will see. You might be happy drinking Walmart cola, but when your buddies come over, they don't want them to open up the fridge and be like, hey, where's the Coke? Where's the Pepsi? Where's the RC? What's this, you know, what's this Dr. Thunder? That's what I think that's the Dr. Pepper equivalent for Walmart. So I do think that is a big part of it. Worrying about what other people are going to think when they see the product that you're using. It would certainly explain how Apple sells so many phones because everybody just wants to see the device more than really care about. If you could have got something half the price that did the same thing, but it didn't have that little Apple logo, a lot of times we are buying the logo. And again, I have no problem going the premium route. I wouldn't do it daily, but when it comes to things like food, there's a restaurant here in the Chicago area. They got a few locations. It's called Gibson's. Some of the best steaks that I've ever had. And the price is not cheap. It's a very upscale restaurant. You can blow hundreds of dollars per person if you buy the right wines with the right steak, with the right side dishes and dessert. I mean, you could just go absolutely nuts. And to splurge, that's nice. But I certainly wouldn't do that on a daily basis. I mean, I guess if I had a billion dollars, I might. But uh, it's something that is nice to have as a treat. And I don't even think if I had a billion dollars, I would go that route. People laugh at me every now and then because I'd just as happily have a dollar fifty Costco hot dog or go out for a steak and chorizo burrito at the local burrito stand because that's what I like. I guess that's one thing I've learned is that the cost of something and how much you enjoy it do not have to be connected at all. Sometimes cheap is a really good way to go. Another place you're seeing this word premium a whole lot lately is online. Anybody that has a Patreon account offers some kind of premium content, it seems. So you subscribe, you're getting a lot of stuff that people do for free, whether it's podcasting, writers, all sorts of different creative people. We'll have a Patreon if people want to pitch in and help them do whatever it is they're doing. And it's a really interesting way. It's doing this whole value for value thing. And it allows people to pitch in something 
And this is a way for creators to give extra premium content, extra podcast episodes, extra episodes or extra chapters of writing or different things like that. It gives the people that are creating content an interesting way to provide something more to the people that are consuming the content. Even guys like Bill O'Reilly from Fox News, now that he has his own podcast out there, you can subscribe to his video podcast for like 50 bucks a year. And you can even get more premium content if you want to be like $100 a year. He will now answer your email. So people are doing some really interesting kind of things to try to give extra value to the people that are supporting their content. And I don't think that's a bad thing. Of course, Patreon might not be the answer to that. And this is just a short rant, which is Patreon falls victim to dining and dashing more or less, which is really I can't believe that so many people are using this when they have bonus episodes or things that they only offer to people who subscribe because Patreon in all of their wisdom will allow anybody to subscribe, get all of the content they want downloaded and then say, no, I didn't really want to subscribe or I want to cancel already. And they only bill you once a month, which means they do not wait for your credit card to be charged to give you access to absolutely everything that creator has. So if this is just a system that is begging to be abused and people are abusing it, and that's really a shame, but there's not much creators can do at this point. So, Hey, don't be a dick. If you're going to go to somebody's Patreon and download all of their content, pay. I mean, you only have to pay once. That's the other funny thing. A lot of these creators it's a dollar or $5 and you can download months or years of content, but people still go in, download everything and jump off. So, Hey, be fair. It's value for value. If you want that creator to continue making content, don't rip them off. Most of us podcasters are creating content and putting it out there for free. Nobody is forcing you to pony up a penny. Some people do, and we appreciate that more than we can express, but for creators who are putting up something on Patreon and are putting up extra material that you could only get there and you feel the need to screw them, how can you call yourself a fan? I don't know, but maybe somebody can tell me that just doesn't seem to make sense to me that you're a fan of this person, but you're going to go in, say you want to subscribe, download everything and then jump off. That is just absolutely not cool. What is very cool, though, is I have an executive producer for this show, a guy that's coming back for a second executive producership, Jay Finley, Baron Von Walkman. We appreciate the donation. We appreciate your support. More than anything, we appreciate that you're listening to the show and are glad that you're liking what you're hearing, the topics that we cover. Baron Von Walkman did include a little note. He said, loved episode 35. Going off on the Cubs made my heart warm ever since they stole the World Series from my Indians. Man, I remember that World Series, too. I thought the Indians were going to win. This was when I was going through all this bullshit with my eye. I was face down at the point, so I was sitting in my lazy boy, looking straight down at the ground, pointing the little mirror thing they gave you to try to watch TV and that kind of stuff. And remembering the Indians just about to beat the Cubs and as a White Sox fan lifelong, that was going to be a beautiful thing. And then it didn't quite work out that way 
for the Indians. And unfortunately, the Cubs won that World Series and uh, the Indians didn't. But hey, I still like the Indians. As I told Baron Von Walkman, uh, I've been an Indians fan for years. I had a little sticker on my door back in 1985 as a kid. The Tribe in 85, that's my team. And I followed my buddy Jack McDowell when he moved from the White Sox over to the Indians. And they have a better manager than the White Sox now, too. Tito Francona, who worked in the White Sox organization managing the in the minors, they didn't want to give him the big bucks to be a major league manager. And they got Robin Ventura instead. And now Ricky Renteria. And they wonder why there's no asses in the seats. But Baron Von Walkman, we appreciate the donation. If I knew that all I had to do was rip on the Cubs to get donations. I mean, this could be a whole new podcast because I could rip on the Cubs all day, all night and enjoy myself at the same time. If you'd like to support this little podcast we're putting out and help us keep the lights on and the audio gear humming, you can go to randomthoughts.com, R-A-N-D-U-M-B thoughts.com, and there is a donation button there. And while you're there, subscribe, tell a friend, and if you want to reach out and tell us what we're doing good, tell us what we're doing bad, or anything in between, you can email us at randomthoughtspodcast at gmail.com, and you can follow us on Twitter at random podcast r-a-n-d-u-m-b podcast and you can follow me on twitter at darren o'neill d-a-r-r-e-n-o-n-e-i-l-l so until next time thank you baron von walkman the cubs still suck and i thank everybody for listening 